But our sole purpose, our sole mission is to create programs and services and gather information that helps independent home improvement, paint and decorating retailers run better businesses. Hey, everybody. Thanks for joining me today. With me on my episode of the Mark My Words podcast today is Dan Trottencheck. Dan is the Chief Operating Officer and the Executive Vice President of the National Hardware and Paint Association. And they are the trade group. They had been covering independent hardware retailers for the entirety of, of my career. And recently, they merged with the uh, PDRA, that's the Paint and Decorating Retailers Association, to create a new umbrella organization, which covers all independent retailers in the space, whether they are a hardware retailer, lumber retailer, or a paint retailer. One of the services that they provide is the cost of doing business study, which I've seen other information like this, just as it relates to paint dealers. Benjamin Moore has provided information like this to dealers and to me as a consultant, uh, working with some of their dealers over the years. One of the ways that this report does that is by helping you compare your own results in certain categories to other results in, of similar businesses. So for example, your rent, as it is expressed as a ratio of your total sales or your labor, as it's expressed as a ratio of your total sales or your inventory as it's expressed via turns or any sort of mathematical number you know that you can get from your business understanding that number and what it means to you is only part of the benefit the other part of the benefit that you would really get would be comparing that number to other uh, store owners and how they're doing it, it doesn't do you any good to know that your store generated a 4% net profit on your sales at the end of the year, unless you know how other paint dealers of similar size and other characteristics did as well in that same period of time. This information helps dealers understand uh, whether or not they're being successful in a real world environment, not just in what's going on in their own heads as they look at their own numbers. And so dealers have a tendency to, to look at their performance and they think, well, I did 4% this year, I did 3.8% uh, net profit last year. And so by definition, I've done better. And so you know they're satisfied and they move on when in reality, due to something that's happened in the economy, like the pandemic or shortages or whatever we may be dealing with, if everybody else went from four to 6%, uh, then despite the fact that you've had an improvement, you've in fact fallen behind. And, and that's the real value of this information. And at 30,000 feet, it will help you understand where the problems are in your business. And then you can, as the business owner, uh, take the opportunity to dive down into some of those numbers and, and understand them better and create strategies for solving the very specific problems that you have. So whether it is that you're not profitable enough compared to others in the survey, if your uh, cost of labor is too high uh, compared to others or the average in the survey, these are all things uh, that will benefit the dealer. So join me as, as Dan and I uh, dig into some of these uh, outcomes that they get. We talk a little bit about uh, the history of the, the study itself. They've really generated for over a hundred years, a tremendous amount of 
of history on this space. The paint retailer piece of it is fairly new for them. They just merged uh, with the PDRA this year. But the information is really dynamite and really helpful uh, to any paint dealer who's looking to understand uh, their business in a more granular way. So give a listen. Let me know what you think. Like, subscribe, blah, blah. And uh, we'll see you on the next episode. This episode of Mark My Words is sponsored by the Coatings Alliance, makers of C2 Paint. When C2 President Tom Hill asked me my opinion of what would make a program for their super premium wood finish product, Guard, more attractive to dealers, I shared my view that dealers look for three things when they're considering putting new products in their stores. They want a low initial investment. They don't want to have to spend any money on equipment, and they want to know that if the program is not successful, that they can send the product back. And so that's exactly what C2 put together in their program for Guard. I only wish my daughter Buckwheat would listen as well. So if you're interested in hearing more about this program, you can do one of two things. You can go to c2dealer.com to read more, or you can email Tom Hill yourself and ask him any questions you have. That's th, the number four, at c2paint.com. Hey, everybody. Thanks for joining me today. With me today again for the second time is Dan Trottencheck. Dan is the executive vice president and CEO of the NHPA. That's the North American Hardware and Paint Association. Dan, how are you this morning? I'm doing good, Mark. Glad to be back with you. Yeah, thanks so much for joining me. Uh, today, we have a specific topic that we want to get to, and I want to jump right in, but just uh, remind the listeners what it is that you do and what it is that uh, your organization does real quick before we jump into why we're here, which is the cost of doing business study. Yeah, absolutely, Mark. Thank, uh, thank you again for giving the opportunity to, uh, to be on your program. It was fun last time. And last time we were kind of talking about, you know, introducing NHPA and everything we do. And, and in our conversation, you and I got to talk to you about the cost of doing business and you're saying we could do a whole program on that. So, so here we are. NHPA, for, for those of you who aren't familiar with us, and I know a lot of people knew us by our former acronym, which was NRHA, and we are the association that represents the independent hardware, home improvement, paint, and decorating retailers in the U.S. and Canada. Yeah, we recently expanded our membership to include paint and decorating retailers. Before the, the paint and decorating retailers were served by the PDRA, we are a not-for-profit that's been around since 1900, so 121 years. And our sole purpose, our sole mission is to create programs and services and gather information that helps independent home improvement paint and decorating retailers run better businesses. We now produce uh, two different kind of media brands, Hardware Retailing Magazine and Paint and Decorating Retailer Magazine. We also do all kinds of educational things, uh, releasing a whole big swath of new paint-focused education stuff, uh, I believe a little bit later this month. But we do research, we hold conferences, we do some advocacy, all those kind of things you would expect from your trade association is what we do. And one of those things that you do that I've always been impressed with is the cost of doing business study. Yeah. And and that's really what I want to spend our yeah, time absolutely. Uh, talking about today. So if you don't mind, let's jump right in. Let's do it. What exactly is uh, the cost of business study that you guys do? It's in essence a research project. And every year what we do is we reach out to our members 
And we ask them to provide us with their financial information. They provide us basically with their income statement and balance sheet and a little bit of demographic information. What we do is just so all everybody- done, it, All done privately, by the way. A, absolutely privately. One, yeah, it, yeah. It's, none of it is personalized. It's all um, I, I think I mentioned it on the last call, but, it, but when something come, when the information comes into our office, it's assigned a number and no one even knows as they're, as they're crunching these numbers, no one knows right. who it is. And so what we do is we take this information from real world operators. And that's what's so important about this study is it's not like the analysts in our office trying to figure out what is the average you know, sales volume? What is the average gross margin? This is data that's collected from real world operators. And what we do is we aggregate it. And, and then we begin the analysis of the data and what we do is we determine there is an average retailer. So there's an average hardware store. There's an average paint store, an average lumber yard, an average home center. And that is, you know, the, 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 the average of what all the stores that submit data to us, uh, how they perform. And then there is what we call the high performance or high profit group. And these, and th these dealers would be considered average or high performance. Just to interrupt you for a second average or high performance directly related to a particular metric that we're going to talk about from the survey, right? Yeah, yeah. And, and it's kind of easy. The ones that we call high profit stores are just the ones that fall in the top quartile, the top 25% in terms of net operating profit, which gotcha. is, as, as we know, net operating profit is what you can spend. I mean, that's the money right. that you can keep or reinvest in your business at the end of the year. So that's the one metric we use to kind of divide the high performance, the high profit stores into uh, away from the average. And why this has persisted for over 100 years and been so valuable, and, and, and we, we again hope that it continues to gain traction on the paint side, but it is you know, so many retailers, and it's not just retailers, it's industry consultants, it's distribution consultants, rely on this study to determine- how a store is performing. And when I talk about this, Mark, I always say this. If you don't know what the average numbers are for a business performance, it's like when if you were to go to the doctor and you go in and he takes your blood pressure, takes your temperature, you know, height, weight, all that stuff. And he said, and he gives you back a report and says, you know, you know, Mark, your blood pressure is 220 over 170. Okay. Is that good? Is that bad? I mean, if, if you right. don't know what, what the average person out there, what their blood pressure is, then you don't know what it should be. And, and, and it, it, it still blows me away to this day that there are a lot of independent businesses that just operate kind of based on their own. You, you know, they say, well, I think I had a pretty good year. I put a few bucks at the in the bank at the end of the year and, and, you know, or I broke even, or, you know, we would call it before. There's a lot of people out there that buy themselves a job that say, you know, I don't really yep. care how the business does as long as I can draw my, at whatever the salary is out of it. All of those things, they might've worked 30 years ago. You know, I'm saying that, but this study has been around for a hundred years. So there have always been high performance retailers that have wanted to look at numbers, but in today's day and age with so much competition and so much what I would just call like margin pressure or profit pressure. You know, you and I were talking about this before we started recording. It really comes down a high performance or high profit retailer and an average retailer is how they manage those incremental numbers. And, and so what the cost of doing business study gives you 
is not only something to measure your business against, but it also gives you a roadmap to figure out how do I take my business from point A to point B? And, and it becomes really easy. And we have people in our office, our, our chief financial officer, who's this kind of falls under his kind of area of responsibility of, of gathering the numbers and crunching the data because he's the accountant guy. Um, but you call if, you, if you're looking at your store numbers and you call in and say, hey, what, what am I looking at and, and what do I need to focus on? He'll talk to you and say, well, you know, just looking at your numbers compared to this, the things that stick out to me is you need to do some work here and here. Um, That's the nice thing about specific data, which I think a lot of of paint dealers don't have access to, unfortunately, about their business and how it performs compared to others. That's the real value is you can look, you can look at your business and, and a lot of dealers will look and think, well, I made a net profit of $50,000 in, in 2019. And in 2020, I did 55,000. And, and they'll look at that and say, great, you know, my profits were up 10%. But if because of the pandemic, everybody else was up 100%, you don't even know that you had a shitty year. Right. And that's why that's the value of a lot of this information. Obviously, the numbers that are in this study are always lagging because we have to have you complete the year and then we have right. to have you complete. your. So so the, the most recent numbers we had are really looking at performance from 2019. 19, you know, right. But this year, when you see 2020, everybody's trying to figure out what the hell happened you know, in 2020 with COVID and all that and sales just being incredible and, 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 and all that. So this next study is going to be really interesting to look at to see what happened last year, but, but to just kind of set the stage to why this is important. So what we see, and I'm going to do some clicking around so I make sure I have the right numbers in front of me, but on the last study we did, Mark, we showed that the average paint retailer, this is just the guy running out there that falls in that middle, you know, some are better, some are worse, but the average paint uh, retailer saw net profit before taxes of about 3.1% of net sales. Okay. So if you're doing about 3.1% of net, your net sales that you're are hitting your bottom line, I always say, you know, net sales are all the meat you load in the top of the meat grinder. Then you start turning the wheels and what comes out the bottom is what you, what, what you can kind of uh, uh, keep. So, so that's not bad, but the high profit retailers, their profit before taxes was 8.5%. So damn near five and a half percent better than your average retailer, which translates, if you're talking about doing a million dollars in sales, you're talking about $50,000. And we're not talking about 50, that's 50,000 net dollars in profit. That's right. That $50,000 that comes to you every year forever. And so the difference between a 6% and a 7% uh, net margin on a dealer doing $2 million a year. Well, that's $20,000 a year. If, if that, right. if that dealer is 40 years old and is going to work to 65, do the math on that. And you've just come up with some five, $600,000 in additional net worth that you're going to find at the end of your career. And that's the sort of difference that we're talking about is on the other side. It blows me away, Mark, how often and, and how, um, I, I will, how, how frequently I will talk to retailers who don't dig into these numbers. Now I get it. A lot of people go into retail. They're not numbers. I mean, they're people, people, That's or they're right. paint people, That's but right. get someone in your operation. Maybe you're running the store and your husband does something else or, or, or whatever, get someone in, sit down and work with your accountant. 
This would be such a powerful tool to every year sit down with your accountant and say, all right, let's look at our numbers. Let's look at this study and, and let's figure out what we need to do to improve. And what we found is that, and I've told this to people before, I've seen guys that run one and a half million dollar stores that are doing a hell of a lot better, making a lot more money than a guy running a $10 million store because they are running it well. And, and so this flattens that, that out. That was always one, my strategy, yeah. by the way, for over 30 years as a dealer. Of course, I tried to grow my business. That goes without saying. Right. But, but I was always more focused on profitability than sales. Absolutely. One of the things that the study does is is we try and show everything as a percentage. The the study is it's page after page of numbers, and we cut the numbers in a variety of different ways. But what I always tell everybody is to look at the numbers as percentages, because then it doesn't matter. You're looking at a percentage of net sales uh, in in most cases. we'll, We'll talk about some different examples. So if you're talking about things like what your operating expenses are. We're showing it as a percent of, of your of your net sales. You, you know, so so it doesn't matter really where you are on the scale of, of top line sales. It, the, the percentages are, are, are what matters. But w- when you look at this, there are just some numbers that always stand out. And, and, and sales per square foot is a good example. The high profit group um, of paint stores that we looked at had average sales per square foot of $554. The average group had sales per square foot of $381. So right there, what you see, those are some numbers I like to look at. There's another number I want to bring up here too, um, which, which relates to that sales per full-time equivalent employee. Second, Dan, dealers listening now, what Dan is about to say is really important. Sales per full-time equivalent employee. Sales per full-time equivalent employee at a high-profit store were $201,485 per year. At a typical store, they were $169,225 per year. Okay. So what do we got there? About a $33,000 a year difference. Okay. Now, let's just set those numbers aside for a second. You've already identified two things that are different about how a high profit retailer drives that extra 5% of profit. They get more out of their square footage and they get more out of their employees. Okay. So let's focus on employees here for a second. Right now, it is one of the biggest, hottest conversations in retail that I cannot talk to a retailer and they're not bringing up wage inflation. Okay. Now, let me ask you a couple of questions. You were a retailer, Mark. Let me ask you this. Would you pay an extra dollar an hour to a full-time equivalent employee? So you're talking about $2,000 a year extra in income. If that employee was going to deliver you $30,000 extra a year in sales. Of course. Well, right. And so I had a retailer say to me in regard to this, listen, wages are going up in my area. It's a reality that's beyond my control. I'm going to focus on what I can control. And what I can control is the productivity of my employees. And so I'm going to start looking at everything in my operation to figure out how do I get more out of my employees? And that's not necessarily about how do I, you know, stand over them and and, and work them harder. How do I give them the tools that, you know, one thing we find with that employee productivity is that more often the high profit retailers are investing in things like training. That's right. You know, a lot of times, and it's not always the case, but a lot of times you'll see that the high profit stores are paying a little bit more. They're saying, we want, or they're investing in things like benefits. We want to get that high quality employee because we understand how important 
driving those sales per employee is. Now, now let's go back to sales per square foot. We also look at the fact that the average retailer is stocking about $77 in inventory per square foot and the high profit retailer is stocking 79. Okay, that doesn't seem like a lot, but multiply that over every foot of selling you have in your store. That's right. Every square foot you have, right. And these numbers start to tell a story, Mark. And the story they start to tell is that a high profit retailer is getting more inventory on their sales floor. They're putting higher productivity employees on their sales floor. And and ultimately, they're selling more out of every square foot they have on their sales floor because of those reasons. I'm I'm kind of a numbers guy. and, And I love the story that these numbers tell. Like, is inventory terms. A typical paint store is seeing inventory turns of 3.1. So that means you're turning, you know, the average item in your store, you're selling it 3.1 times a year. Okay. Whereas the high profit store is 4.4 times. So that, 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 you know, is kind of the exclamation point right there is that they're generating traffic that's coming in and buying that stuff more and more and more off their sales. Oh, I mean, to the, to the tune of almost one and a half times more a year. That's right. And, and let me, let's get into some of the advantages of that for a retailer. And so if your sales assume for one second that your sales are, are sort of consistent as you take your business from 3.1 to 4.4 inventory turns, what's the value of that to a retailer? If your sales are consistent over that time, you've just identified excess inventory that you have. And so if you have an inventory of $200,000, you know, I'm not good enough in math to tell you what, uh, what number we just generated, but some amount of that 20, 30, $40,000 by going from three to four uh, turns a year, you can pull out of your inventory, assuming that sales are consistent, or you can uh, use that as an opportunity to grow more sales. But either way, there's an advantage to you. And if you can pull $20,000, $30,000 out of a single store has, you know, a couple hundred thousand dollars worth of inventory these days, if you can pull that out, that's money that you are free to invest back in your business in some other way. And that investment gives you a return every year. So you can take that $30,000 out of your inventory, which really isn't yielding you much, and you can put it into something else that's maybe growing your business. And so that's what dealers ought to be looking for, in my opinion, when they look through these numbers, is look for the opportunities within their stores to go from that 3.1 to the 4.4 on uh, turns per year. These are really important information, really important numbers to, for dealers to use as comparatives, but use them just as comparatives and they'll really help you understand your business because payroll uh, uh, and rent to sales in Alabama uh, is going to be different than it's going to be in yeah. New York City or Los Angeles. And so make yeah. sure to, to keep all of that in mind as you're doing this research. But if you, as you're doing these comparisons, I mean, but as you uh, make them, 
uh, you will see places in your business where you can make improvements, specific improvements. It's exactly right. Is Not every number is going to be directly applicable, but what you want to do is target the areas where you can make a difference. You know, And again, it even goes down to beyond geography, it goes down to product. You know, There are some stores that do a hell of a lot of business and they've really got a service counter and so a handful of products out there and they don't really have a sales floor like like someone else does and so it, it's kind of a, a, a just a little bit different measurement but but i mean you know your business better than anybody from a from from that kind of the ability of, to be to put context into the numbers but um yeah it, it, well said mark these are guideposts um you know, if you really want to dig into the numbers, that's where I think sitting down with your numbers and some historical data, but then the cost of doing business study and sitting down with your own accountant or, or someone, uh, your own business advisor. Store um, managers, actually. Store I manager, spend a absolutely. lot of time with my two store managers saying, where can we do better on this, this, and this, you know, and be yeah. straight with people. Listen, I'm paying you X amount of dollars to do this. I need to maximize that if you're going to want to raise. Be straight with people and, and you'll find that there are solutions within these numbers. Well, and, and the ability to tie that stuff, you know, we, we've had this, I, I, we've had this conversation before about, you know, well, you know, I'm not going to give you a raise, you know, I'm not going to give you a raise right now and hope things get better, but, be, but empower your employees to say, listen, here are some metrics that we want to look at. And if you can help us drive those metrics, once we I'll hit give you those the money. metrics, no question right. at all, I'll give you the money. I'll, I'll give you, you know. the money. Exactly. Uh, Dan, what a great way to end it. Thank you so much for uh, joining me today. Dan Trottencheck, uh, the executive vice president and uh, chief operating officer of the North American Hardware and Paint Association. And particularly, Dan, for helping me dig into this cost of doing business study. Yeah, really yeah. great work. Yeah. And just a heads up to learn more about it, go to yournhpa.org. That's Y-O-U-R-N-H-P-A.org. And the new study is going to be coming out in a couple few months here. Um, so be on the lookout for that. Cause like we said, everybody's going to want to get their arms around what the heck happened in 2020. <laughs> Terrific. Well, thank you so much for joining me, Dan. I really appreciate the time as always. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on, Mark. 